Please fasten driver seat belt. My peoples, what's up, baby? We back. It's your boys. So back Chronicles podcast. It's your boy Big Ace. I got my brother Dre. Good, okay, good, wah, wah, wah. What's good, baby? Nothing. Hanging and banging. That's it. Hanging. And, I like that. You know what I'm saying? Hanging and banging. God damn. We ain't new to it. We just true to it. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Saying? That's mm. it. Way to get me going. I like I that. Like, I like what everybody said. What is what is understood doesn't need to be spoken about at all. You know what I'm saying. At all. That's it. <laughs> Triple C. Yo. What's up, baby? Maintaining and chilling, bro. All day. All day. My peoples, what's up? It's your boys in blue. We back. Uh, everything is great. We working hard. Grinding. The grind don't stop. We appreciate you for tuning in day in, day out, every Monday. Let's get into these sponsors real quick. Damn, that sound even better, Triple C. My man. All right, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget uh, Berman and Darby's the law firm. Charlie Schultz is the man. He can be reached at 410-769-5400, 410-769-5400. Holler at my boy Charlie Schultz. You, en- you injured at injure work, personal injury, he'll take care of you all day, every day. Starbox USA, don't forget the discount code, all caps, Silverback Podcast, all caps, Silverback Podcast, get you 20% off. Dre, what else? Silverback Chronicles, check it out. Hats already sold out. Thank you, everybody, for the love and support. Yo, the hats, they flew off the shelf. Just like that. We <laughs> we trying to get more, but there's these people in the COVID. Listen, people, we love you. We appreciate Thank you. you means everything every time we put some more merch out it just sells out and that just it speaks volumes of where we're headed and where we're going and we're just focused and super <coughs> grateful and please like when you when you wear the merch send us pictures Word, so we can post you yeah all day like we've been getting people you know they send us pictures from like different states and the beach and all that and yo we love all that we love the love so like we'll just Add it to the to the pics and blast that shit right out. All day. Hell yeah, we love that shit. But yo, no further ado, we're gonna get into this. Straight into There's it. There's no need for waiting. Alright. Got another brother on the job. What he, about him? He was on the job. Uh-huh. Great man. Okay. The commission mm-hmm. the commissioner at the time during graduation ceremony told Every trainee, they should be like this man. Oh, really? You want to know why he said that? Because I don't know why. During his brief interaction with Mr. Jonathan Harris, Jonathan clearly, Mr. Harris clearly said the things that he loved to do is getting out of his patrol car. Why? Why is that? Why do I gotta get out of the car? Because that's unheard of nowadays. Oh, okay. That's how you get out and you interact with your community. Right. Everybody on his post, everybody in his sector, they knew him, they loved him, they appreciated him. 
as a man first, then as an officer. Big difference. And he's from that block. And he's from that block. You know what I'm saying? Baltimore homegrown. Yeah. But with no further ado, we got to roll the red carpet out for my brother, Mr. John Harris. What's up, baby? What's up, baby? I welcome. Nothing but love for you guys, man. Welcome, welcome to Congo, bro. Absolutely. I'm in, I'm in the jungle, baby. What's Word. Up? We, we put, we put Amy to bed, bro. She's That's in the bathroom it. shit. Fighting for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Both sides. My man. Both sides. Black, blue, white, all day. Don't matter. All that shit. Nothing but love. All day. Listen. So, Mr. Harris. What's up? I'm glad you're on, bro. I appreciate you, man. Means everything. Listen, I appreciate everybody in this room. Absolutely. Y'all some of the realest people I ever worked with, honestly. Means everything, bro. Know me a lot. Trust me. Means everything. It's nothing like learning from the best. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I think there's like a mis, uh, you know, conception of police. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when people look at police, they say, oh, you know, they're just doing their job. But what they don't realize is some of us come from the same streets. Absolutely. Right? From the same roots. It don't matter, you know, where we're at, right? Because people just judging you from who you are. It's a, it's a bias and a prejudice, which truthfully, I didn't know what that was until I had to train them. I didn't even know I had that. You know, but when you grow up in the struggle and you grow up from the city, I mean, from like straight hood, like where I grew up from. So tell the world, where you from, born and raised? You know, 451 North Curly Street, mm. Baltimore, Maryland. What's that, the east side, sa- west yeah. side? east side, southeast, east baby. Side. Mm. East side. It's that little corner pocket in the oh, southeast. Yeah. That. You know what? Shit. I, I would tell, listen, <laughs> no, no disrespect, but I would be like this. I'd be like, listen, I would have to tell my white boys. I'd say, listen, yo, I'll drop you off. You get your ass whooped. Don't matter what time of day it is. Mm. In the middle of the day, you get your ass whooped. Mm. I was more hood than these other white boys. You know what I'm saying? So I, for me, it was personal. I, it just drive me crazy. Mm. I said, listen, I don't act hood, but I'm more hood than you will ever be. I promise. Mm. Done lived, I survived. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, when I drove through that block, uh, I looked at the house I grew up in. I said, man, that's my home. And never, ever occurred to me that this was the ghetto or this was a straight hood. This was a poverty stricken neighborhood or it was predominantly African-American. Mm. For me, you know what this was? What's that? This was home, baby. The crib. This was my crib. When I drove through there, this was home. This this was peace. It was nothing but love. It made me want to get out of my car and talk to my community. Mm. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I just seen who I was as a kid. And now, as an opportunity, I had the privilege as a police officer to get back to the community. Because you know what, people? They would see you as a cop, and they'd say, oh, he's doing his job. Who is he? Mm. Once I get out and start talking to people... Like, you know what? You're one of the realest cops I ever talked to. Mm. Because automatically we judge people based on what? The appearance. There you go. Because you just, you don't know that person, but you're automatically judging somebody off of, you know, your personal experiences with that person, right? Just on the outside, but not what's on the inside. Mm. A lot of times, unfortunately for me, you know, it's hard growing up as a Baltimore City police officer. And it was a privilege. It really was. Because, you know, the truth is, is this. At the end of the day, you got to realize that the job is bigger than you, that not only are you representing yourself, you're representing all the people that came before you, and you also represent all the people that's going to come after you, not not only the people that you're working with. It has nothing to do with, you know, the color. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with religion. It's who you are as a person, and that comes from your heart. But for me, it was a privilege because my my goal was this. 
what could I do to improve your life as an officer? Because I have the opportunity and the privilege to build you up. So if I'm looking down on you, I always told the community, I said, listen, if I'm looking down on you, I promise you I'm picking you up. I got my arm out. You're coming up because I don't want to take away from you. It's not my goal to write you tickets and to beat you down because I know what it's like to lose. I know what it's like to suffer. We all make mistakes. Ain't nobody perfect in this life. So to have that privilege was a blessing. My goal was to build my community up, my, my post. You know how it is. When you're an officer, you got to post, man. You got to handle that. You got to know your community. You got to know your people. Your post is like your little own little city. Yeah. And, I, and you know what? That's your house. That's yeah. your home. I, I was on the streets more than I was at my own home. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was home, baby. You know what I'm saying? All day, every day. Mm-hmm. I knew everybody in my community. I knew if I didn't know you, I knew your face. I knew where you was at. I knew where you was, whether you was on a corner or on your steps. It doesn't matter. I, I knew who you were, even though I didn't know your name. But I got out of my car and I could make conversation with anybody. It didn't matter if you was homeless, if I had a, a previous encounter where we made an arrest, or you was part of the community. It didn't matter. Or mm-hmm. if you was, you know, somebody that needed help crossing the street, I didn't care. It was a privilege and it was a blessing. It felt good, man. It really did. So what? why police work? Was it something that you always wanted to do? You know what? Let me tell you something. So I come, you know, a lot of people, I got challenged one day. I'll never forget it. Okay. What was that experience like? It was horrible. New officer in the streets. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm going to tell you, I'll never forget it. Let me tell you about my experience. Let's right. blow my mind. Let's do it. So my first day on the job, you know, straight up, I'm going to be honest, as a, as a Caucasian male in a predominantly African-American neighborhood, you know, you do, you're working in the projects, you're doing your thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting judged automatically just by the outside, you know, and I get it because that's just the way the world is, right? They stereotyping. Everybody's got their bias, their encounters, because what is the... What does a white man know about a, a black man's neighborhood, right? They, nothing. Mm-hmm. So automatically you're getting judged because we don't because it's, it's called a culture, right? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We're all different. Our skin's different. Our hair's different. Growing up is different. You know what I'm saying? And I get it. So I respect that. But guess what? I grew up in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. I didn't grow up in a Caucasian neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I never looked at it like that. It was home. All my, all my, my homeboys, my friends, you know what I'm saying? We come from the same thing. I didn't see that. So the first day on the job, it was tough, right? As a cop first week, it was tough. First month, it was tough. I literally wanted to quit. I'll never forget the feeling. Let me tell you what changed my perspective. I thought that when you go through the academy as a police officer, you make it, you do all your thing, you pass, whatever, you know, you're like, oh, I'm a cop. You know, you're out there with a gun, a badge. You got so much authority. You know, you're ready to go. You're like, okay, where's the bad guys at? But what you don't realize is this job is there's such a stress and a struggle because there's so much social pressure. And you know what? You know what changed my mind? It was crazy. I was up on uh, Fayette Street. This young, you know, African-American guy came up to me and I'm looking at him and I don't even remember him. And he goes, hey, Officer Harris. He knew my name. He didn't even see my name on my badge. He goes, you know what? I'm a, he said, I'll never forget what you said. I'm looking at him going, who is this guy? He goes, you came to my house. My grandmother was in hospice. And you said the most polite words I'll never forget. He said, as, as an officer, I never had that encounter and I'll never forget it. And you spoke words of kindness. Uh, and it changed my life forever. Right? 
And in that moment, you know what you know what that made me realize? It wasn't that I made it through the academy that made me a police officer. It was in that moment that this kid spoke these positive words to me that literally changed my perspective on policing. That I knew I made it as a Baltimore City police officer. Mm, that, that, that was your confirmation. That got me. That was my confirmation. It was a wow. blessing from God. Mm. But it gets deeper than that. It gets deeper than that. But I was literally about to quit. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be I'm keeping it one hundred. I was gonna quit because I couldn't the pressure was so enormous. It was it was just destroying me. And I was ready to give up. Well, what, said, what was the pressure like? It was horrible because I was a white officer based on, you know, the stereotype mm-hmm. trying to police in the African American community and they in were, the projects. They they wasn't messing with you at No, all. they wasn't. It was like every time I tried to make contact or no matter what I did, it was just, you know, just whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like reject, 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 rejection. It was horrible. It was a horrible feeling. You know, you just got called every name in the book based on the outside. Nobody seen me from the inside. It's like nobody believed that I grew up in the ghetto. Nobody believed that I grew up in poverty. Nobody believed that I grew up on food stamps. Nobody believed that I, I went to school with uh, holes in my damn shoes where I got made fun of. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, when you went to school and you was poor, you know what they used to say? You, you know what Bobo's is? You ever heard of Bobo's? Uh-uh. Yeah, there was some socks. They was for poor people. Mm. They was like, Bobo's, you get them for $1.99. Bobo's, they make your feet feel fine. That's some sorry-ass socks. You know, you know what I'm saying? The with the stripes on them. Thank you. With the stripes on them. He knows. The Bobo's. Yeah. Pull them and up. listen, I had some Adidas. My man, Jose, who happened to be black, Yo, they, he gave me these shoes. They had some slits in the side, right? I'll never forget it. And you know what the people said? They said, your shoes speak two languages. <laughs> I, said, I said, damn, yo. That was a good one. Two languages. They said Spanish and English. I was embarrassed as shit. It was too big for my feet. I said, damn. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I get it. But I grew up with no father. Listen. Five brothers. We live in one house in one bedroom. Imagine living in one bedroom with five brothers and you all sleeping on the same bed and you're growing up on food stamps. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's not the life that I choose, but I chose, but I made the best of it. I didn't, I didn't see, you know, you know, the racism. I didn't know anything. It was just a hostile environment, but I survived. It didn't make me a, a, a person that hated somebody based on, you know, the color of skin or the language they spoke or their religion. I just survived. And I, and I, and when love was given to me, it was, you know, it was real. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I didn't have much family growing up, but my brothers and we survived. You had to look out for one another, but some of them brothers happened to be from different race. <clears throat> People that looked out for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And it taught you a lot of life experience. You know what I'm saying? I got my ass whooped. I'm not going to lie. But I also had people that stood up for me. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, that, that was like family to you. You didn't know what to do. That's dope. You survived, man. So fast forward, that brought you to the being on the job. And right before you think about quitting, you had that, that, uh, that conversation with that gentleman. Yeah. And that cut the light off for you. It did. And let me tell you something. So a lot of people... Don't believe in God, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are religious. We all got different religions. God has many names in the world, right? Yeah. Let me tell you about a personal experience that really changed my life. So as a child growing up on Curly Street, 
I had one man, I'll never forget him. His name was Mr. Martin Pierce. And he took us to church. So he literally was the first person in my life to ever took me to church and show me God, right? Show me love. Show me something greater than what the city offered me. Because mm. it was chaos, right? It was craziness. So, you know, fast forward, we go through years and years and years. We done moved to Florida for a couple of years. We done came back to Maryland. Then I moved to West Virginia on a farm, 100 acre farm. And like, I'm not, I'm going to be straight up, straight up Hillbillyville in a little town called Nettie. You heard me? Mm. You, you ever heard the word Nettie? Never heard of that. Place. Nettie. Nettie. No police, volunteer fire department. That's not for me. My uncle, <laughs> so it was my aunt, my mother's sister, her husband, 100 acre farm. Mm. Yo, that was a straight struggle. He made $12,000 a year. Mm. We was poor. I got all my clothes from Goodwill. Let me tell you something. So when I came back to Maryland, I asked God, you know, we don't make mistakes because we're human beings. You know, I looked at all my mistakes and I said, God. So I challenged God, you know, and I learned that God answers prayers when you do selfless things, not selfish. You know, when you ask for selfish things, you're not going to get that answered because mm. God ain't about that life. Mm. But when you are selfless, he's going to answer your prayer, right? So I, I had to teach myself a hard lesson and I challenged God, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, God, I said, let me, I said, God, show me something. I said, through all my mistakes in life, show me something that only you would know that I would know that you know that I'm supposed to be a Baltimore City police officer and that through all my mistakes, this is where you want me to be. This ain't my, this ain't where I want to be, but this is where you want me to be, right? This is where it gets deep. So I go to work one day. It's early morning. It's a little bit of foggy. It's a little, it's a little cool, right? I'm driving around. There's another officer in his cop car. Now, I don't have no reason to be there. I'm just driving around having to get out. And I talk to him. So this guy approaches me from the back. And he goes, hey, officer, can I ask you a question? And I go, I turn around. I see this little white shaggy looking dog, right? And I look up and there's like the leash. I'm following the leash to this guy. And I see this guy standing there. And I go, Mr. Marty? He goes, yeah. I said, Mr. Martin Pierce? He goes, how do you know my name? And he looks at me and he goes, oh, my God, Johnny. From 451 of Curly Street. I said, yeah. This man was the first person to take me to me and my brothers to church. He brought me to God. And in that moment, I had chills come over my entire body. So when you saw him again, you was answering one of his calls. No, I prayed to God for three days straight. Oh, he just showed up to show me. Give me an answer. Give me an answer, Lord. Hey, like when he show up at the like on the street. Wow, random out of nowhere. Listen, out of nowhere. So that tells me the Holy Spirit came over me. I felt my body was on fire, and God was like, "Hey, I'm not there physically. I know you can't see me, but spiritually, you're gonna feel this." Mm. My body was on fire in that moment when I turned around and realized this is the man. So listen, you can hit the Powerball, you can hit the Mega Millions, that shit will be lucky, random, whatever you want to call it. This ain't no coincidence. This was God answering my prayer saying, hey, I need you to be a Baltimore City police officer. This is where I need you to be in your life. Yeah, through all your mistakes as a person, as a human being, you ain't perfect, but this is where I need you to be in your life. So fast forward, right? Now you become a cop. That's it. How'd you handle it? How, how did you patrol? So at that moment... Based on your, like, the way you grew up. So I asked God, I said, you know, because 
you know, I back in the day, I used to think, you know, you always hear this stereotype. Like people would say this, you, and I'm sure you heard it. They say, oh, you're only where you're at because of the choices you made. That's your fault. Your problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So you would look down on people because you're like, man, I'm not about that life. I work hard. I'm going to make the right choices because we often think that because we have a job, we're making money that we ain't going to make bad choices in life. Like we're better than the homeless person or, you know, whatever. We're better than the guy that's robbing stores. But what you don't realize is the life that they were given. You know, they come from nothing. Dirt. They have literally nothing. They're just trying to survive. So at the end of the day, you got to really look deep into, you know, as a police, what you're dealing with. You're not just dealing with somebody that nobody woke up and said, hey, I'm going to be a prostitute. Nobody woke up and said, hey, I'm going to be a drug addict. Nobody woke up and said, hey, I'm going to be a robbery suspect. That's bullshit all day. These people were given a life that they didn't have no choice over. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to go in the corner as a human being and say, I'm going to starve to death and die in that corner because nobody's watching. They're going to do whatever they got to do to survive. Doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't have emotion. It's called survival. So as an officer, it gave me the privilege to understand that. And I asked God, I said, Lord, I said, give me the opportunity to love all these people equally and unconditionally with the same compassion that you have for us, the same compassion that I ask you for, in a sense, to make me the best officer that I can be so that I'm never looking down on people, regardless of their circumstance, their race, their religion, whatever it may be. I said, give me that privilege to love the world the same way you see us right. as a cop to make me the best cop that I can be. That's 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 what I prayed for. Mm. And when I realized that in my, my life, it gave me the opportunity to look at the world and to be the best cop that I could be. Because I was never judging people for who they were. Right, right, right. Because I didn't know what their upbringing was, what they went through, or what they were going through in that moment. And it gave me the opportunity, being in uniform, to help them out. So what can I do for you today to make your life better? Because mm. I wasn't there to beat you down. I hear that. Wow. Uh, That's deep, man. Hell yeah. Well, perfect, yeah. How, so how did things get better for you out on the streets? It got better because when I got out there, I got to know everybody. I would get out of my car and talk to the community. And at first, they rejected you. You know what I'm saying? Because it's tough, right? Because it's all based on stereotype. But once they realized that I was established, I grew up in the same neighborhood from where they were, they respected me. And they're like, you're not just a cop. You're one of us. Right. So they they looked past their uniform. I said, listen, man, I'm not here to, to make your life harder. I'm here to help you excel. I'm here to teach you what you should be doing rather than what you shouldn't be doing. Yo, because of that, tell them, tell them the story about like the cross-dresser. There was a cross-dresser in the Southeast. This dude was huge. He was like... He will only talk to him. That's it. Anybody else that showed up, he would literally like fight you. So He will only talk to this dude. It was weird. Oh, so it was so weird. <laughs> so this, you had a guy, he's a cross-dresser, you know, no disrespect. So they called him Miss Jada, right? Miss Jada. And then you know, at first... Was he part of the LGBTQ plus yeah, community? Yeah. Okay. So this dude was built like Terrell Suggs. What? I'm not kidding. 6'6", 280 pounds. Huge, yo, huge. You know, early 20s. 
I mean, when he was flexing, he, this dude didn't even work out. Yo. Muscles, like guns. There were people in it. I told the other like officers. 23 inch arms. Yeah, mm. straight up. Cock diesel. But yeah, dressed cock like diesel. a female. Right. I had to tell the officers, said, listen, that? if you ever come encounter with this dude, you are, you're gonna have to call the whole district because you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get him. He was tossing people, yo. Tossing them. So toss people. Yeah, your initial experience with him, what was that like? So how, at did first, you, how did you build that rapport? What was the call? So the first time I seen him, right? He literally came up to my cop car, introduced himself, and I thought to myself, This is crazy, right? Like what's going on in this person? What happened to this person to get him to this point in life? No, I'm not sitting there judging, but I want to hear your story. Everybody got a story, right? It's just interesting. I was enlightened, right? I just want to hear. How was he? He was well, calm. Paint, paint the picture. Yeah, he was well, calm. Like you know, did he have a dress on? Yes. No, listen. Yeah, I was he had a romper on. He had, yeah, a, romper. He, had, he had a wig on. He had like the whole the one whole, piece, one piece. And he said, "Hey, officer, listen, I'm not trying to be a holiday, but if you got twenty dollars, I'll leave." Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars, right? And that was the first conversation. First conversation. Everybody, it's all about money, right? I get it. And then to my, so as a police officer, I'm thinking, if I gave this guy twenty dollars, right, or this person, are they gonna leave or cause more problems? I said, "What's your name?" You know, I was like, "Okay, he seen my name tag." Obviously, I said, "You know, Officer Harris." He's like, "Yeah, I'm Jada," and he told me, "This is no bull." He said, "Hey," he said, "I'm gonna be honest with you right now." He said, "Sometimes I carry a gun." I'm thinking, oh, shit. He said, I got to protect my ladies out here. And he was referring to all the prostitutes. But at the end of the day, as an officer, that's a disrespectful word. So for me, I learned to not call any female, you know, crack whore, prostitute. I call them working ladies, right? Because they're supporting a habit or whatever the case may be. Maybe they're family. So I call them working girls and never, ever disrespecting them. Because I knew right then and there that was it. And he goes, listen. I got to protect my ladies because some guys slip. I said, all right, Jada. He said, you can call me Miss Jada. I said, I got you. So at the end of the day, I felt like, you know what? So he's a pimp. He's a pimp slash doing his own thing. No <laughs> doubt. Right. <clears throat> so I gave him 20 hours. He disappeared. I was you like, gave I no him problems. $20. I did. You had I paid it forward. I did. I paid it forward. Because at the end of the day. If that's what you want to call it. No doubt. No doubt. Right. Because. <laughs> It was no question because at the end of the day, I was looking at it like this: if if I didn't get him twenty dollars, what he just told me, he said I pistol whip dudes. That shit don't mean nothing. And I know, I know that he wasn't making it up. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking to myself, when the, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do to survive out here. There's some crazy stuff going on. I get it. So I gave him twenty dollars. He disappeared for the whole day, but I built a rapport with him. He trusted me, and he was honest. And I know that I felt like in my heart as a cop. He wasn't lying to me. He was telling the truth. So sometimes I see him, sometimes I didn't. And then every time I seen him, I always made sure, like I always had cash on me. And I always pay it forward in the community. Where I would try to help out as many people as I could. I'm not rich. I was struggling. I was going through a lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, when I was a cop, all my personal problems, I had to turn that shit off like a light switch. Couldn't just come there and be, I couldn't ref- become the cop. If I was struggling in my personal life, I had to turn off like a light switch. I couldn't like draw that over to be a cop because it would make me a miserable cop. So if my personal life was miserable, I had to turn that shit off. Right. Mm-hmm. I was two different people. It was like an alter ego. I cannot let my personal life reflect my police life. So no matter what, there was two different people. 
regardless of whatever my struggles were personally, it did not affect me as a police officer. And that was the hardest thing to do. Because when you came to work, you came to work. That's like, it. You was focused. Fuck, I, I had to be focused. Fuck everything that's happening at home. I'm here at work. Yep. You was dialed in. Yep. So how did things get better with Jada? I built a rapport with him over a few years. You know, a couple, obviously a couple times he slipped up. You know, he did robberies, whatever, whatever. So I remember one day we had a call for service, literally straight out the break. You know, you roll call, you come out, you ain't got your shit in your car. You get an armed robbery, right? And I'm listening to the radio, and it's my post. Like, armed robbery, you know, blah, blah, blah. They describe them, and they're like, wig, the hair fell out, right? And I'm like, oh, that's Jada. So I got a trainee with me, and we're rolling up. I said, listen, I said, this is the person I think it is. It's my, my post. I know my post. Rolling down the street. I got the victim in my car. He points out to the suspect, and it's Jada. I said, yeah. I go, hey. Uh, you know, I get in my car. I'm like, what's going on, Jada? And he's like, oh, he puts his head down. He's like, I'm sorry. I said, listen, Jada, you know I've been nothing but good to you. I said, I get it. I know what you're doing. I said, you're not under arrest. I said, but I got to take you into the district. You got to talk to the detectives, and you got to figure this out. Put him in handcuffs. He didn't fight me or nothing. This dude was 6'6", 280 pounds of solid muscle. If I didn't have a rapport with that individual a couple years prior to that incident. He would have tossed you. Oh, he would have tossed me. I ain't know. I don't care how much working out I did. Based on size alone, he would have got me. It would have been a long day. <clears throat> long day. Yeah, long night too, shit. Wow. The hospital. It's all about I've that seen, rapport. I've seen, I've seen, and what, he passed, he recently passed away, right? He did, yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. What he's, happened? He's no longer out there protecting the girls. You know, he got the wrong, he got caught up in the wrong stuff, man. So somebody, they, so obviously I'm no longer with the department. You know, I left back in April, late April, May 1st this year. And somebody, so this is how much connection I got in the community. People text me and say, hey, by the way, I want to let you know Jada passed away. And I was a little tore up, you know what I'm saying? Because even though he was making, you know, choices that really probably wasn't the choices he wanted to make, he was trying to survive. It gets to you, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, because you knew him as a human, right? Kind of thing, you know, I, I seen him as a person, not as a not person. as a a monster or you know somebody out there just trying to break the law because they wanted to. He was surviving, but at the end of the day, like all the contact that I ever came in contact with that individual was on good terms. It was never nothing bad. It was always sincere, and uh, if I could help him, I could, you know, and right. I would. You know, you try to go above and beyond. And that was pushing you further than anything, the, any police, you know, anything that the police could train you in, or it didn't matter if you had the uniform on. It, it, it was something further than that. Mm-hmm. You know, this job didn't require you to help people out. It just required you to do your job based on policy and law. Right. Not, oh, hey, you got to give people money to help them out. It wasn't about that. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was deeper than that. Yeah, like you did that on your own. Exactly. I didn't have to, but I did it on my own because of who I was. Because I'll never forget my upbringing and where I came from. Right. Nah, that's what's up. Wow. God bless his soul, though. You know what he passed away from? I, From what I know, the community told me it was an overdose, unfortunately. Oh, damn. Sorry, man. You know how it is, man. When he passed away, was he still that big? Or they like he shriveled out a little No, nah, he was big. Still big. Yeah. I saw that do a couple of times. I'm like, damn, that's a big chick. Dude, 
Big dude. Yeah. He's bigger than my man Big H. Big straight, dude, straight, straight. But like dressed like a chick. But he was a he was a beautiful giant. <laughs> he was to harmless. you to me. But I'll tell you what, if another officer would have came at him, it would have been a different story. He was giving that work. Yeah, he was. I'll tell you, he was. He was. Yeah. There was no stopping that. <clears throat> it's crazy the experience you get as an uh, officer in these streets nowadays. And even when you patrol. What's the best thing you liked about the job? The best thing I loved about the job was, uh, you know, the privilege that to put on that uniform and to go out there and know that you could come in contact with a complete stranger and uh, make a difference in their life, right? And in that moment, it could be one minute, five minutes, whatever it was, you know, 30 minutes, depending on what the call for service was, you might never, ever see that person again. Mm. And the words that you chose could be the difference in that person's life. Absolutely. You know, I, I realized that the greatest weapon as an officer that you have was your words. It wasn't your gun. It wasn't your taser. It wasn't your baton. It wasn't any training you've ever received as a police officer. It was your words and based on your personal life experience, you know, your bias, your prejudice, whatever it was in your life that you were given, the cards that you were dealt, allowed you to bring something to the table, something more to a complete stranger who just physically seen you in uniform as a police officer. And uh, those things, it, it gave me the privilege to know that I could make the difference in a complete stranger's life that I may or may not ever come in contact with them again. So the words I chose were wisely and, and the words that I used, I knew in that moment that they were the greatest weapon that I was ever given. Mm. You know, you could move mountains. You could build up or you could destroy people. Yeah. So once I realized that I had that gift, which was long before I was a police officer, I was able to utilize that in my, you know, policing career and uh, pay it forward and really build people up and not destroy them. And what that gave me was the privilege to people to show them that not only am I a police officer, but I'm a human being. So they didn't see me as a cop. They see me as a person. So... How long was you a police officer for? Seven years. What did it for you to make you want to be like, you know what, I, I, I'm done? You know, what did it for me uh, was uh, I remember going for a call for service and uh, I heard some shots fired. It was a big discrepancy whether it was fireworks or shots. For me, it was shots. You had witnesses on the street saying it was some guy shooting a gun towards your direction, which I'm pretty sure was a gunshot. I'm not going to argue, you know, but for me, I was there. <laughs> you smell the gunpowder in the air. Somebody's saying it was fireworks. I don't care. For me, it was real. <laughs> but after that, you know, realizing you you also deal with that. And then I, I never dreamt in my entire life as a police officer where I was. Everybody's had those dreams. When you're into the job, you have dreams like where you're pulling your gun out, you're shooting at people, but the bullets will come out, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe they do. For me, I don't want to. Take somebody's life. Right. That's a big deal, you know? Huge. So I had a job. I had a dream where I was actually killed. I'll never forget it. I had a guy on a dirt bike. I was in a cop car. I had a partner. I, didn't know, I couldn't see his face, but I knew who's there. This guy was coming up on a dirt bike, and he had a face mask on. It wasn't too cold, too hot, but it was just weird. You had that uneasy feeling. And uh, you're sitting there, and, you know, was, you're in a cop car. You can't just pull your gun out, you know, because of the holster and the whole setup. But at the end of the day, like, 
you really can't do much if somebody's coming close to your cop car. It was a dirt bike. And this guy comes out on a dirt bike, and it happens so fast. He pulls the gun out, <coughs> shoots in the cop car. I'm shooting at him, I, not knowing if I hit him or not. He's taking off. I'm still shooting, calling it out. And uh, my drone was so pumped. And then after I realized what happened, uh, I, I realized I was shot in the throat. It was very surreal. I remember waking up out of my dream. I was sweating. My heart was pounding through my chest, and I died. I literally died in the dream. And I bled out. And for me, that was a very uh, surreal moment and a wake-up call. Mm. So I had to sit there and go, okay, it's my time to go. It's a premonition. Mm. So I didn't want to deal with that. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And that did it for you. That did it for me. It was so good. You just call it. Yeah. You called it quits off of a dream. That I, felt- I did. That was it. After what I believe that I was shot at on the streets of Baltimore wow. a couple weeks prior to that, which somebody else said that it wasn't gunshots, but you had a witness who said it was. And then I had that dream. It was, a, I've never dreamt that before. It was a wake up call. I felt like it was more of a premonition. So I had to make a choice and I did. And it was the hardest choice ever uh, made in my life. Yeah. And I did my thing, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, I remember being a detective back there, and, and like everybody back there is like, "Yo, I got a guy. He's my robbery suspect. Yo, I got a guy. He's my shooting suspect." And it's like, "Yo, let's go see if Harris knows him." And then you would just show up, or like, "Oh yeah, I know. This is him." And you show us a picture, <laughs> and we're like, "Fuck!" And then he'll go out there and be like. I'll bring them back in like an hour, hour and a half. People will come back in handcuffs like. Wow. Like so compliant. That's dope. Wow. And I'm like, what is going on? Yo, they just respected the kid in the hood, man. Uh, he built that rapport, man. He put the, he built that rapport. Yep. From, the, from the ground up. From the ground up. That's it. You had to, man. I mean, you know, I knew people were going to make mistakes regardless. It was just... You hope at the end day that the people you were dealing with, you actually had a rapport with them and they trusted you and believed in, you know, they knew what you were about. And unfortunately, that's just the way it was, but they didn't disrespect me. They didn't fight me, you know, because they knew I was doing my job. And at the end of the day, you know, they made a bad choice. Mm-hmm. And I always told people, I said, listen, there's good people and bad people in the world, but if a good person makes a bad choice, that don't make you a bad person. Right. I get it. So they respected that and, you know, they would never give me any problems. I say, listen, man, you got to go talk to these Texans about what you did. You know what you did. I'm not judging you, but I got a job to do. And you know this. Absolutely. And I always tell them, say, listen, man, if you got something going on in your life, just come holler at me because if I got it, you got it. If I don't got it, I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to do whatever I can to help you try to get what you need. And that's what you used to tell, like, strangers and people in post. Always. Didn't matter. Mm. Really? Yep. So what what has life been uh, without police work? Right, that's a good question. It's been, it's been crazy, man. How was the transition? What do you do now? It was tough. It was tough. It really was. Uh, Did you take some time off before you jumped to something new to do? Or? Not much. Maybe about a month, if that, you know, the transition. Mm-hmm. I've always been a, a licensed, you know, plumber uh, before that. So I always had, like, a trade to fall back onto, but I always had a passion to be police. So it was it was tough. It really was. I. You know, as much as you prepare yourself to 
tell your squad members, you know, your supervisors that you're leaving. Nobody believes you until it happens. I couldn't even get the words out. Mm. I cried. I cried. It was the worst cry I ever had in my life. Really? It was. I had everybody crying in roll call. Wow. It was tough. I couldn't get the words out, man. Oh, you did it during roll call? I hadn't. Yeah. It was just the way to do it. Not everybody was there, but for me, it was just, it was impossible to even get the words out. It was tough. It, I was, I've never been more broken in my life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it's the, one of the best jobs in the world, man. It's one of the greatest jobs. It's a privilege, honestly. It's a great opportunity. It is. It is. It is. When it's done right, it's an amazing job. So what's what's life like now, bro? What, what do you do, man? I travel. Uh, I got my license in like five states, you know. It's 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 not easy, but it's a privilege. So I travel. Um, you know, I do plumbing and, uh, you know, I go back and forth through, uh, the states that I'm licensed in and it's a good opportunity to get out and enjoy life a little bit more. You see mm-hmm. things differently. Right. You know, so. You're still interacting with people. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. It's a good feeling, but it's never the same because there's a piece of me that always will always, you know, not feel like I'm, I'm doing what I should be doing when it comes to the interaction where. As a police officer, you deal with people when they're the most vulnerable, you know, in that moment. So you don't really get that opportunity to have that. So, you know, you feel like you, you're not doing what you should be doing. But, but plumbing, I still have the privilege to help people out. But it's not the same. How long have you been doing it now for? Plumbing, this, no, no bullshit. This is my 25th year. Really? I've been doing Damn. this since I was 14. Damn. I'm 39. You know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm a master plumber, master gas fitter. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. Ain't nobody perfect. You know, you learn from your mistakes to be a better human being. But at the end of the day, it's what makes us who we are. So I don't sit there and look at my mistakes because they don't make me who I, you know, that's who I used to be. But who I am is who I am today. Right. Right. Because you learn from them. Absolutely. You know, you, you become a better person, you know, a better version of yourself. Tomorrow's a new day, so. Nah, that's dope, bro. Pay it forward. So I still have the opportunity and privilege to help people out in different ways, but I definitely will always have a love for policing and uh, to be able to help people out in that aspect. You think you'll ever come back? Nah, not as a police officer. I always have a love for it. always back to blue no matter what, no matter where I'm at, no matter what state I'm in. Once you live that lifestyle and you – you do that, it uh, it gives you a different perspective on life of the sacrifices that people make, right. men and women, on a daily basis that the average citizen will never understand. Mm. You know, it's deep. It's it not. Is. It's not a normal it's job. A there's a, there's a lot that people don't understand about what it takes to be a police officer or a first responder. Like to be honest with you, I couldn't even be a firefighter. Mm. You know, after going to houses that were burning down <laughs> on fire. And these guys, these men and women are going into houses that are straight up smoked out. You can't see nothing. That's brave. You know, as for me, as being a police officer was hard. But to see a firefighter going into a house that's smoked out, you can't see nothing. I said, man, I can never be a firefighter. Nothing but respect. Shout out to those firefighters that have been here before. Yeah, shout out to everybody. Absolutely. You know, it gave me a different respect. Until you actually see it in person and you're there as a police officer on a crime scene, you see that type of, you know, uh, environment that these men and women are going into. It really changes your perspective on life. Knowing that they're going into a house 
and they're hoping just to get home to their family, yeah. right? Their, their kids. There's no way I could do that job. It takes a special person. As hard as our job is to be police and deal with, you know, the stuff that we deal with, it just changes your whole life. Even the medics. I mean, any first responder, even, you know, military, it just, it's, it's a different breed of people out there. Yeah. And it takes a special person to be able to fulfill those duties, to be able to be selfless human beings and to make a difference in the world. And for me, anybody that's a first responder, whether it be military, medics, firefighters, police, are the ones that are tremendously, genuinely making a difference in the world, honestly. Because if it wasn't for those type of people, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Awesome. And, you know, I hate to say it, there's bad apples in every job that you do, but the majority are good people, and they're really going out there trying to make a difference. Bam. That means everything, bro. Wow. Phenomenal story. Yo, you know what? It means everything because the world needs to hear that, bro. Yeah, you was police and you served for seven years. And yeah. now you went back to your passion, which is plumbing. I didn't know you was doing that shit since you was 12, 14 years old. It was the first job I ever had. I come from a family of plumbers. So, you know, I loved it. Then I hated it. Then I loved it. And then, you know, you get your license. It's one of those things. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. You work man. for family. It's tough, man. But nah, that's awesome. I wanted to do something on my own to test it out. To, you know what I'm saying? Like, I always told myself, if I can't beat myself, you know, the, the world, it, there's an illusion. They always want you to feel like if you're not first place, you're a loser. But really, it doesn't matter. The key to success is failure. So as long as you wake up every day and you continue to fail, the truth is that you're succeeding. Builds character. It builds character. You learn. If you're not failing, if you're not making mistakes, you're not working. Right. It's the truth. Not this. And that, that's how you learn. That's how you're building character. Awesome. So to have that, that 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 mindset, it really pushes you to be the best person that you can be. You know, you can sit there and sit in a corner and you can blame everybody else for your mistakes in life or you can take responsibility and, and do your thing. But That's at the end of the day, you can only blame yourself, you, no matter 100%. what. Absolutely. We ain't perfect people. Ain't nobody perfect. You know what I'm saying? Not in this world. Definitely. We just got to go up and, you know, do our thing. I appreciate you, bro. So there's a lot of great officers out there. And I, I tell you from my own personal experience, nothing but, you know, excellent, you know, opportunity to, to, to see how other officers interact with the community and the things and the sacrifices that they've made. I'll, there's moments I'll never forget. You got any shout outs? I mean, I, I got a lot, a lot of shout outs. Let everybody know, bro. I, I got a shout out. Let me tell you something. The people that really made a difference in my life um, as a police officer, I'll never forget, was the former commissioner of D'Souza. Mm. Big one. Uh, great man. Great man. Beyond great. And I know for a fact that he would have done greater things with this you know, police department. Right. Hundred percent. My morale went through the roof when I heard he was commissioner. Mm. It was, I was. It's not that locking people. Yeah, I was doing my thing, but it was just what he was bringing to the table. Yeah, you got former uh, major clients in the southeast who actually literally knew everybody in the community. He really inspired me. Uh, Lieutenant Gardner, Lieutenant Williams. Uh, there's so many people. I mean. You got sergeants. Grandma's a G. Shout out to him. Yeah. yeah. Sergeants. He's, he's up in that thing doing his thing. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great officers, supervisors out there that are really committed to the job. Definitely. And making a difference in people's lives. Yeah, you know? 
That really love the job. The craft. The craft, yeah. It, it really molds you to be the best police officer you, you could be. Like, here, you know, so bad Chronicles, we, yes, we're cops, but, but we're like, and I, I think at this level we could like say it that it's high level. Absolutely. We understand everything that's going on and we just want some sophisticated shit. The way it should be. You know, we treat everybody with love. And respect. 100%. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. This is episode 96. I want to thank my brother John, Mr. Harris, coming through. Letting the world know about his past. We appreciate it, His bro. passion and his contribution to the society. I was definitely passionate. Absolutely. A lot of passion. Why? Yep. We appreciate it, fellas. I really do. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you, bro. Dre, what you got? Peace and love and a little bit of passion. <laughs> a lot of it. More passion. Word. Triple C. Blessed are the peacemakers. All right, folks. That's it. We love you. Episode 96. Be safe. Enjoy your weekend. And your boys in blue will see you on Monday. Easy, baby. Oh. <laughs>